Welcome to Leadership 2020. I'm Claire Carpenter. I'm joined today by Nicole Sorrell. Nicole is an organisational psychologist. She's the director of Lumina Learning Global and is also co-founder of The Growth Project. Nicole, first of all, a huge thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So many things to talk to you about. Let's think about where we start. Perhaps let's start by understanding a bit about who you are and what it is that you do. I think there's two key inspirations for me my brother and my husband, (laughs) for very different reasons. My brother, Sasha Sorrell, was a great mentor for me. He was also my business partner, also an organizational psychologist, so we worked together. I went to live in South Africa for 20 years and he followed me there. So in many ways, we had very similar passions, which was really to be ignited to change the world. When we were first there, we had a company called Rejuvenation where we used to take all the street kids up mountains and run different adventure programs and clinics for tennis clinics, but really trying to ignite them to wake up to their potential, their greatness, their uniqueness. So he was a great inspiration for me. Sasha chose a difficult life in that he had suffered with bipolar. Mm. And with that, whilst we had a a very passionate relationship in terms of fun, joy, play. We also used to fight a bit as part of that, but he was just an incredible human being and um, the bipolar was just too much at the end and he sadly took his life two years ago. So he's a huge inspiration in that I just have the vision of his smiling face with his arms open, just embracing the world. He had strong values around gratitude and also being responsible and accountable and a lot of his work was focused towards purpose and he developed a a model around seven levels of conscious leadership with the highest level with leaders really being social contributors and making a big change in the world and that really inspired me to set up the growth project with a partner called his name's Paul Friedman but really having Sasha in mind it took me a few years after him to really be connected to the essence of his work and just to recognize how important it is mm. and now it's it's completely embedded in my own inspiration so for example the b corp organizations i find i find fascinating i was at their conference last week and just really again looking at the triple bottom line for organizations to go beyond profitability and to really look at people and planet and seeing how much great work is being done mm-hmm. So the growth project is something that I feel I can make a contribution towards that. Our goal is to have 100 leaders over a three-year period, and we match charity leaders to business leaders. And the process is within a a 10-month structured leadership development program, but also looking at very key business practicalities, so enabling charities to run their charities from a business perspective, but also from a a purpose-driven. And even though the charities absolutely exceed in their vision, what we find is that the business leaders go back and they're transformed around understanding their role around social contribution Mm -hmm. and also true collaboration and what that really means and looks like. So Sasha inspires me at every moment of my day and it's around that work with the, the Growth Project. And then my husband, Alan, we've been married nearly 30 years been together a few years longer and he is my psychological opposite 
So what that means in terms of Lumina Learning is that he certainly chose someone and I chose someone who's going to keep us on our toes all the time and really make us completely accountable for understanding ourselves, each other, and constantly within that dance of adapting our behavior to understand the other. Being in the challenge of that relationship over many years and in the early years really feeling that I wasn't good enough until I saw that it wasn't his, I'd say, feedback, or I was at that time interpreting as as constant criticism because Mm. he comes from a place of order, process, objective, factual data, whereas I'm from spontaneity, sociability, creativity, sometimes impulsive. Mm. So I enjoy speaking and speaking to understand my thinking, whereas he is a deep thinker and like structure and order. So things in the kitchen could be very interesting if if (laughs) everything that went in the dishwasher wasn't spotless, whereas I came from a very different kind of childhood family background and, and his was much ordered. So recognizing that his way of engaging, communicating with me wasn't actually about me. Mm. It was something that was important for him to survive and succeed in his world. And once I could really get that and realize it's not about me, it's about him. Mm. And actually, how can I adapt my behavior to enable him to feel a greater ease? It created such a shift in our relationship because I no longer became emotionally triggered. And I was much more willing to adapt, you know, like hang my towel up occasionally because I could see the impact it would have for him. So in terms of areas of inspiration, I would say mm. is, is my brother, Sasha Sorella, my mm. husband, Alan Martin. Yeah. I'm so interested in, in what you've just talked about in terms of how we respond to the behavior of others and what triggers for us as a result of what we have learned or and interjected over time. I think there's something there about the, you know, a shift for us, isn't there, in terms of how we interpret the world around us for greater self-awareness? Absolutely, yeah. Within the work I do with Illumina Learning, for example, it's inspired by Viktor Frankl's work. He wrote a magnificent book, Man's Search for Meaning. You're nodding, you you know it well. Mm. Well worth everybody reading. Small book, but packed with power and purpose. And there's one quote in his book that a lot of my work is, is linked to. And it's between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is your power to choose your response. Mm. And in your response lies your growth and your freedom. So, so often I find the leaders I work with that they believe this is who I am. Kind of take me or leave it, but I know what to do. I'm achieving the bottom line. I'm, profits are looking healthy and strong. People need to just do it. You know, what's business for if it's not to fulfill the task? Mm. And people don't need to get personal. They need to just do what they're told to do. Not all leaders. This is kind of some. And through our process, they get to see that there's much, much more at stake here. And that, first of all, there's a responsibility and even an accountability to understand one's thoughts, feelings, behaviors in relation to the impact around you. And often when people can really see the consequence and impact of their own behavior, uh, maybe on their personal well-being, maybe it's on their legacy, on their health. They can start looking at their relationships. You know, actually, to what extent do I have good, solid relationships of people who who care, who are loyal, who I'm providing inspiration to? So, what's the quality of the relationship? And then also, they can look at their own performance, because so often leaders will think, well, okay, the, the profits look good, all is good but actually they don't know what else is possible. Mm -hmm. 
because ultimately as human beings, and I think that's what we're all waking up to, is people want connection. People want to be empowered. They want to be responsible. They want to rise to their potential. Mm -hmm. And if organizations and leaders are not giving people the space to grow, to learn, and also not being respected and valued, they absolutely will leave. They'll either leave or they'll stay in the team and business, but they'll close down around their creative agility and ability to think and add value Mm. to solve problems. And what happens, you know, there's a lot of work around neuroscience and the impact of what happens in the brain and the the limbic brain and the prefrontal cortex, but actually we we flip, Mm. you know, and our prefrontal cortex where our thinking and problem solving happens, where there's a lack of trust, one can't activate that part of the brain. Automatically it flips, we have the prefrontal, we have the limbic brain comes out and our behavior is about safety, mm. protection. I mean, they say like eight times within a second we are, we are unconsciously looking for threat. Mm-hmm. And if there's threat, we close down. So when leaders can see what is it that they, they don't know that they don't know, what else is possible if they really create an environment where there was great trust and respect and valuing, where mistakes can be made confidently, where they can be discussed, worked through, how can we use this through creating greater understanding and, and learning from those mistakes? Mm-hmm. You know, where can they really acknowledge someone's greatness or, or achievements in a true sense? And that's where everyone starts spiraling upwards and working towards common purpose and achieving greater things. So basically, when when a leader really gets to see the consequence of how they're showing up in their behavior, they then tend to wake up and say, okay, something here needs to change. I'm either not fulfilled personally, my relationships, whether it's at home or at work, there's something here that can improve. And also their results. So depending on their personality, different things will motivate them. Mm -hmm. But one of those three areas definitely will. And then we start the work. And the work is around self-awareness. Who am I? Understanding different personalities so that ultimately they come from you to me and not me to you. Mm. But by understanding other people, they can then adapt their behavior, build rapport more effectively, influence, have greater impacts, greater value and greater respect. And then magical things happen in the organization. People are excited. They're engaged. They want to come to work. The team becomes a place where they feel safe and eventually self-actualized and a wonderful kind of spiraling. And that's when also we start looking more broadly at purpose because of that place of safety. So whether it's at an individual level or if someone's gifted with a talent, you know, in terms of leadership to say, well, okay, what's my purpose at the organizational level? How can I contribute? Because ultimately, you know, we're all responsible and we know we're living in such challenging times right now. Mm that we have to go beyond the task. There's something really powerful about the magic that happens exactly as you say when we access our self-awareness and we act on that to do some work, to think about our relationships and our purpose. And I'm wondering what might hold people back from doing that. There's some level of reticence to actually confront who we are and how we project to others. Mm. So I think there's a lot of... Ultimately, I suppose, fear and ego, you know, how, you know, is this organization, is this place safe again? So I come back to this whole area of trust, which has Mm. to come from the top all the way down. Because if there's true trust and people feel that they are valued and respected to make mistakes or deliver to their best and their potential and to think creatively and out the box and that's reinforced, 
then people are unleashed to say, okay, now let's learn and grow. And I've had the privilege of working with incredible leaders who have such humility and modesty. Mm. And they're able to say, yeah, this is my greatness. This is the value I can bring. And this is where I'm really not so good. (laughs) These are my weaknesses. This is why I keep tripping myself up. And then they can work on that. And then through, we, we have this beautiful process at Lumina called the journey to composure, whereby people access, first of all, their strengths. So what are my strengths? And we look at 24 qualities and we measure both ends at three levels, the underlying, which is your natural preference, your everyday, how you show up, and then also overextended, where you can overuse a quality maybe because you're tired, stressed, too much pressure, or just incompetent in a certain area. And it's that overextension behavior that can lead to, can become a a derailer in terms of self-relationships and performance. Mm. So it's understanding where they're at around that that nuanced look of these 24 qualities, which we measure with um, quite a rigorous questionnaire. It just takes 15 minutes, but it gives us a very in-depth portrait of the individual. It's very nuanced because within the 24 qualities, you see your patterns, your movement, where you're great, where you trip yourself up. We look at something called hidden treasures. So for example, someone could be very high on structured, maybe purposeful, which is around goal setting and planning at an underlying level. But every day that's kind of been suppressed and pulled back and they're not showing up. They're not utilizing that. Now, that may be fine because they can delegate that out or maybe it's tripping them up. Mm. You know, for example, reliability, that would be a general one that if you're low on that every day and maybe you just overextend on it to use it too much, you can trip someone up. And we measure both ends. So, for example, in leadership, where I see a real shift, and the shift comes from, first of all, being your own observer, so you can understand yourself, your strengths, your hidden treasures, your overextensions, maybe some weak spots, you understand that. And then eventually, through that understanding, you move from an unconscious incompetence to maybe conscious incompetence, but then to conscious competence. And then through practice, you create new habits of behavior, and then it's unconscious competence. Mm. So for example, where people are high on the continuum of logical and empathetic. So they have great logic that they access, common sense, but also the empathy to be able to connect to other people's feelings. And having a paradox of being high in both ends is very powerful. Because we have, even though we've got the depth, we kind of simplify it into colors, because that's quite sticky and people can use it. So the red qualities, which is effective ways about getting the job done to high quality standards too much of that can be aggressive conflict seeking too controlling now if they've been triggered someone who's high red for example would be that there's a core value of theirs would be deliverables be your word you said it now do it Mm. and and coming back with a less than quality result they can flip quite quickly into the overextension red which is a huge burst of anger as if the engine that's revving is now it's now kind of boiled over the steam is out and there's lots of rage mm. now understanding and seeing that and seeing the impact can lessen that trigger lessen lessen the intensity to eventually they contr- they can control that and i think waking people up to the humanity aspect around it's not just task but actually we're living in a world that at so many levels there's so many challenges right now mm. and They even say one in four is suffering from mental illness. Mm -hmm. So I think leaders need to open their eyes and have a broader perception around 
who really exists, you know, within my team, within the organization around me, what's really happening for them. So I had one leader who who had said that there was one of their team members had been coming in late, you know, twice a week, and they just assumed that it was kind of kids' stuff, and they never inquired. Got a bit frustrated at the time, but never had the conversation. And then after our work, which was probably a year later, having come in late every couple of days a week, she had a conversation with him and found out that actually he had a very, very serious illness Mm. and he'd been going for treatment. And it completely shifted her paradigm around this relationship. So it's around saying, actually, we need a humanity. We need human connection. And then... Once we can also start to see where other people are coming from, we call it mountaintops. You know, this is where my mountaintop, this is my rigorous belief system based on my life experiences, DNA, etc. This is what I believe is true and right. We get off our mountaintop, we travel up other people's where we can see there's no right or wrong. There's just difference. Yeah. So how can I drop my judgments, come from a place of respect, you know, value difference, value diversity, and just ask the question, Talk to me, you know, why did you do what you did? It doesn't make sense to me. But just in the humane conversation, you know, the transaction analysis, adult to adult conversation, gets people just to say, okay, we're both human. Yeah, we may make mistakes. Mm. But what we do is based on our thinking and rationality that this makes sense to me. And what I often find is that when people have that conversation and really go into the why, they're able to drop the judgment and say, okay, now that I understand, I can move forward. Mm. And maybe we can agree to disagree, we can change the process going forward, but at least it's grounded respect and understanding. I think that's so interesting about the different filters that apply to the same set of circumstances and actually seeing through another's lens is really, it's a hard thing to learn to do though, isn't it? It can be. Yeah, I mean, if you think there's eight billion people in the world right now Mm. and each person is completely unique you know there's no set of similar circumstances that we've had so Mm. and if each of us are on our own mountaintop we really believe what we see what's in front of us Mm. and we get so stuck in our rightness because this is our truth but if we can also respect the rightness and we respect the individual in their journey and the solidity of their mountain then we can also see why you know people do rub up each other and why it is difficult mm. to drop judgments to connect to understand and to reach out but the first point starts again going back to that quote that that space in between and sometimes that space in between just needs to be a moment of silence mm. before we automatically unconsciously react and the goal being to move from an unconscious reaction to a conscious response mm responsibility, ability to respond. One of my plain journeys, I was just writing out the word reacting, which is what we do so often because we come from us to them. And I thought if you see things differently, so you got their mountaintop, so if you take the C out of reacting and you put it at the front, you get creating. And they're from that amazing place of creativity where there's no judgment, there's listening, they're seeking to understand that's where the magic happens. Mm. And then what we do is recognizing that complexity of, you know, 8 billion people, how can we understand everybody else? We use a lens of color. And that lens of color is a shortcut kind of to, to cut through that because even though we're so uniquely different, thankfully there's also a number of commonalities mm. that's been identified from, I don't know, times of Plato and Hippocrates with his patients. And 
And there's many, many tools that look at personality types. Lumina, we are the antidote to typing. So we believe there's dangers around stereotyping and labeling. And that's why we measure traits and the movement and both ends at the three levels. So you get the more nuance. But if you look at the four colors quite simply and you think, okay, so I'm engaging with someone right now. If they're showing strong red qualities and I know it's a leader who wants me to get to the point right now okay bottom line what do you want to say don't waffle say it as it is show me that you're prepared give me the bottom line and you know they'll tend to in their meeting they'll they like to stand up they don't want to offer a chair because they don't want a long conversation if you say how are you they don't really want to know it's more just fine because they want to focus on the task now if the task is to connect and you socializing or having a dinner they can do that brilliantly but it is around action whereas the opposite continuum to that is is this green that what we call the empowering green and the the empowering green is what we call people focused where it's about seeking harmony other people's needs now if someone with high red is engaging with someone who's high green the challenge can be that the red wants to solve the problem whereas the green wants to be heard and whilst a lot of my work is in kind of corporate, work in schools and charities, but also sometimes just with couples in, in marriage. And it's so interesting that one of the couples is they're saying, just listen, I don't need a solution here, but I want your attention. I want to know that you can hear me, that you can feel me, that you get the essence. Yeah. And it's a real wake up call. And it can sound so obvious, but for someone with these high what we call outcome focused energy, they find it very difficult to not be of service. And for them to be of service is to resolve issues. Mm -hmm. And what they need to do is drop from head to heart and just move through the direction they can do it. Let me understand you. Where are you coming from? And they'll find that there'll just be transformation in that relationship. And so much love is created out of that because it's fulfilling each other's needs. You know, I love the work by Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages, oh, yes. and that links so beautifully into Lumina. And often, you know, the same way we love in a way we want to be loved, yeah. and we can completely miss it. So, for example, you know, my husband, who's taught me so much, primarily breath and calmness and thinking and non-exaggeration. You know, I don't always have to tell an entertaining story. That's having his voice on the side. I say, you know, I was swimming, there were millions of dolphins. And he'd be saying, there were six. <laughs> so I've learned to talk in more truth, which has been very healthy for me. But I think it's just it's so powerful when you can understand the need, the reality of the other. So his love language is, is about it is about quality time mm. and acts of service. So doing things for making lunch. Whereas for mine, being on the, the luminaires, a big picture thinking, inspiration driven more extroverted is a lot of it. It's words of affirmation, physical touch. And that's what I use to love my children. I have three kids and my oldest, Shanti, who's 20, her love language is very similar to my husband's. And and they had such an amazing close relationship. And when I woke up and I could see what was happening is I'd be saying, I love you, you're beautiful, you're amazing and love your thinking. And I'd be asking how she was doing, but that wasn't connecting with her until I formalized the quality time. It literally had to be, you know, a daily routine sitting on her bed, tell me what's up, how are you? And taking her out for for dinner once every couple of weeks where she felt she could just talk and really be heard. Mm. 
And now she's emigrated and she's doing brilliantly. But even on the phone, she can hear she has my full attention or if I'm on my laptop or something. Mm. She said, are you with me? Are you listening? Because that's so important for her love language. Whereas for my youngest daughter, Aura, who's more like me and she's into very much affection, I can hug her and tell her things around, you know, how well she's doing. She responds and that's her love language. So there's a match there. So it's all about understanding again where they're coming from. What do they need from you? What does this person need from me right now so mm. that I can leave them feeling uplifted, more focused, not around what I want to say, but that space in between. If I pause, if I look at that person, I think, what do they need right now? How can I adapt my behavior to you know, influence, impact? And ultimately, for me, it's about respect mm. and valuing that person. And so I'm thinking about just summarising some of the wonderful insights you've shared with me today. And what I'm really taking away from this conversation is the power of that pause, how important that is to really consider our response rather than our reaction. And I loved your your insights around move the C out of reaction, put it at the beginning, and it's about creation. And that creation of a of a relationship or of a response that leads to actually a really kind and loving relationship. And I use those words freely in a corporate environment. I don't think that's about just a social response. I think the way that leaders work towards that relationship with their people will make a big difference in terms of performance, won't it? Absolutely. Seeing the impact, um, I've been working one team recently with a leader who had very strong, we I call it red blue qualities. So, on our terminology, it's outcome focused around the red, discipline driven around focus on deliverables, and then down to earth, which is around the evidence based. And he had recruited in his likeness. It was a finance team, but what he found was that. It was a finance team against the rest of the Exco, the marketing mm-hmm. department, HR, sales. Now, they happened to work in a sports industry whereby they were their success was based on their sales and creative marketing. And yet there were such deep levels of frustration because of the different way of doing business that there was, you could imagine the, the ripple down of the finance always on their case. I need the financial data for the reports. And through this work, they completely shifted the way that they understood the others, instead of judging them as wrong, they suddenly became grateful that they're creating the success of the business. So instead of forcing data from them, they got up for the first time out of their seats, went and sat with the other departments and said, how can we support you to make the figures support your strategy? And they were delivering results with PowerPoints and images versus just you know mm. the 30 pages of data. And they shifted from their employee engagement when we started was 42% and it went to 92% afterwards and they became the highest globally. And the leader was at 32% and was shifted to 100% and got the employee of the year. Mm -hmm. And that was through a process of waking up to who am I? You know, we used our Lumina Spark portrait around personality, but also Lumina Emotion, which looks at the motivators and drivers of those behaviors. We did use Illumina Leader 360. So there was there was a lot of process of awareness through one-to-one coaching, team coaching and workshops. But they really woke up. They really had that paradigm shift that the others are not wrong around me. They're just different. 
and they're critical. How can I access that value? How can we shift and be accountable for the way that we show up mm. so that we can create a connection and, and deliver more effectively? And they said actually it wasn't the employee engagement survey results that was important for them, but it was actually the fact that the marketing department, after they said 15 years, the first time invited them to their Christmas party. <laughs> So they really felt they that they'd made it. You know, there's lots of lovely stories like that, which is basically going back to that that space in between, seeing the other, understanding, finding out their needs, and then moving across to their world through respect. I love this work because I think that it impacts at so many levels at the personal level. You know, whether you go home and your your relationships with your partners and children and family, to the senior, the executive on the board that suddenly are collaborating and, and talking in, in, mm. in completely different ways and starting to spiral up upwards and igniting each other's value and potential. Mm. And then that ripples down the organisation. Well, I think you have certainly given all of us something to really go away and think about in all of that. And so I thank you for sharing all of those insights with me today. Thank, thank you. you. Thank okay. you. Thanks. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, or wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a rating and review to help others find out about the show. This is a Podo podcast produced by Nick Hilton in association with Corndell. Mm-hmm.